Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, our mission is to create the next generation of great bosses. We do this through a variety of training programs, which include our 13-month live masterclass, The Art of Being a Great Boss. This program provides the basic building blocks for being an effective lead, supervisor, or manager. We also have a 13-month live virtual masterclass, The Art of Being a Great Teammate. In this program, we work with individual contributors, building the people and technical skills that will make them more effective. Many of these modules refer to the work in our management program so all employees can be on the same page. A new program for this year is our Art of Being an Administrative Superstar. Your admin staff is the backbone of your organization. This program gives them the important problem-solving and decision-making tools, which will absolutely increase their effectiveness. We offer a number of one-hour short-topic seminars as well, and these are perfect for in-service training and brown-bag lunches. Finally, we offer the opportunity to license all of our materials so your in-house trainers can deliver our programs. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com or call us at 931-221-2988. You know, years ago, I was working on a project for a vendor to the federal government. And I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, except to say it was a training project. And the topic was on getting agreement, communication skills, supervisory development skills. Now, the way this contract was written is that two individuals would have to go and be part of a two-person training team, and the customer preferred mediators, people with mediation skills. Now, I participated in that for a couple of years, and here's what I learned. Some of the most difficult people I've ever had to deal with are the very people whose job it is to help others reach agreement. Yes, these are folks in mediation. And they would call me and complain, I don't like working with this person and I have to solve it. So I must admit, when I got the request to interview Gina Weatherup, I thought, oh, I don't know. I just not, don't have a really good feeling about mediation after that. You know what? I'm really glad that I got out of my own head and looked up Gina and we had a great conversation, which led to the episode that you are about to hear. Now, the episode is using mediation as an HR tool. Gina Weatherup is the CEO and founder of Chantilly Mediation and Facilitation. We had a great talk. It was actually uh, the day after the new year started, so January 2nd, which means it's dropping a little bit late, but the information relevant as ever. And if you've ever, as an HR professional, wondered, should we actually consider using mediation? The answer is absolutely. And better yet, use Gina. We talked about how HR should be using mediation. What is the benefit of mediation? The best part is, at the end, Gina tells us how to get in touch with her. So let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. You know what time it is. Let's make sure the personal items tucked under the seat in front of you. Make sure your seatbelt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. 
Gina Weatherup. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Well, it's a special day, so we'll, we'll put a little timestamp on it. It's actually January 2nd, first, well, really the first day of the new year, because yesterday was the day everybody's recovering from the hangovers, I guess. And so today <laughs> is kind of, even though today is the, the holiday celebrated, you and I are here at work, so I'm very impressed with you, and I'm sure you're impressed with me. But what we're going to talk about today, Gina, is how HR can use mediation as a tool. And I'm excited to talk about how that is. I think it's an additional thing HR professionals need. And so got some questions for you. But before we do that, Gina, I was hoping that you could tell our audience about you. Tell us about your journey and what you're working on today, and then we'll dive in. Awesome. Thanks so much. So I founded Chantilly Mediation and Facilitation, my company, after I became a mediator uh, in 2018. I went through some training and I decided this is it. This is what I want to be doing right now. But my journey to get there was 15 or 20 years of professional work experience in other things, mostly communication. I worked for a long time with nonprofits. I did a couple of years with the federal government doing equal employment opportunity work, which was where I was first exposed to mediation. A lot of us people kind of know what the word is, but luckily for me, when I was a federal employee, I was actually able to go and get trained in mediation. And I came back to my equal employment opportunity job and I did a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and then afterward, I worked with nonprofits and did whole bunch of different community organizing and PR work and fundraising, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I had the wonderful uh, privileged opportunity a few years ago to kind of take a step back from what I was working on and say, what do I really want to be putting out into the world? And I came back around to mediation and decided to found my own business. So I exclusively do workplace mediations, meaning I get to partner with folks in HR often. Um, and I love doing that and getting to be a resource for them. But I also work with small business owners and um, executive directors of nonprofits. And sometimes I get to do um, some fun facilitations that are not even really about conflict. They're just about how do we build consensus or we need to get everybody on the same page about something or there's a lot of stakeholders and we need to have a discussion. So what are the best ways to do that? Well, that's interesting. So, you know, you mentioned you got trained as a mediator working for the federal government. I have done a lot of work with the federal government on this uh, in the past, and of course, most of my work's with uh, commercial. But I've never seen an organization have internal mediators. So, is that unique to the government? And why do you suppose the government thought that would be uh, um, something useful to have when most of corporate America doesn't have that? Right. Right. Yeah. And I've seen the same thing. Um, I think you know, and. Even within the federal government, I was in an even more unique space working with the Department of the Army's National Equal Employment Opportunity and Civil Rights Office. That was the name of it at the time. I think they've restructured. This was in the early 2000s. Um, and so, you know, what they wanted to do, the at the time, the Army really, and I think this was common amongst federal agencies, had a backlog of equal employment opportunity complaints, and they wanted to try to resolve new complaints as quickly as possible. And so, you know, they've got a very specific process for those types of complaints. Whenever someone feels like they may have been discriminated against, there's a variety of options. And they learned probably sometime in the 1990s before I started with them that, well, if we bring in someone who's truly an outsider to the situation, they might actually be able to mediate. Um, and the field of mediation is only 
couple decades older than that even. And so as far as, far as I understand, they simply wanted to go all in on mediation as a way to try to resolve complaints quickly and in a way that saved costs rather than the potential of things um, taking longer, which of course more time means more money, um, or getting to a point where the employee might be seeking legal help. Wow. So in your experience, does the mediation tend to diffuse it from going up higher? And if it does, is it more often than not or about half the time? What did you experience? My experience, I'm trying to separate sort of that experience, which admittedly was a quite some time ago versus what I see now. I always see mediation as helpful. And of course, there might be some of my own bias for mediation's um, positive side here, influencing the way I see it. Um, but typically, when someone comes in as a mediator, they're recognized as being somehow neutral. And we can talk about what really that means. But basically, that alone can sometimes help people to feel a little bit calmer. Um, and then, of course, part of mediation is giving people the opportunity to say, I really want to understand what got you to this point. And so the opportunity to be heard helps people feel calmer again. Um, and so it does sort of help things to de-escalate. Now that doesn't necessarily mean mediation always resolves things or just because you bring in a mediator there's never going to be a lawsuit. That's not the way the world works. Um, but in my experience mediation works really well when parties are open to it. And sometimes even when I have mediations where we don't get to resolve anything, people are still expressing gratitude for the mediation process and saying that it helped them to learn some things. So that's a good thing. Was there ever an event, because I, and we had talked about this before when we first met, that I had done a project with the Air Force back in mm -hmm. the mid-2000s, and it was, you know, they wanted mediators. And so I worked with a fair amount of them, and there was one in particular uh, she was a former judge, actually, and so her backstory is very interesting. She said she had to preside over a case where a guy was assault and was going to prison, mm -hmm. and as she backtracked through it, she found that it all started because, I guess, <clears throat> somebody's kid, by accident, threw some trash over the fence. Mm -hmm. Well, the neighbor got pissed about it, threw it back, and this started this escalation of trash, yeah. and then it ended up in physical assault. And she says, you know, had I been around, we could have saved this whole thing. So many of these big problems mushroom because of little things yes. that go unresolved. And that was her hook. Did you ever experience anything like that where it was like, wow, I didn't realize there was another way than just, you know, uh, you know, like I win or lose. And if I win, then you lose. Absolutely. So a couple of thoughts in response to that. Um, it's to First, most pertinent to your question, I did a mediation earlier this year between two people. It was a supervisor-supervisee relationship, but they were both fairly high up in this company that employs hundreds of people. And uh, they were talking about things that had happened six, seven, eight years ago as though they happened last week. So there absolutely is this buildup of things over time that I see pretty frequently in my work um, where someone tries to let something go, but really it's still there in the back of their mind because something related to it, some need, some desire, some feeling has not gotten expressed or it's been expressed and hasn't really been understood. And so they're hanging on to these things and then more things happen and more things happen and it escalates. But in terms of the case that you specifically mentioned, 
And this isn't the kind of thing that I do professionally, but where I happen to be located in Northern Virginia near DC, um, the nonprofit that I uh, sometimes mediate with as well, Northern Virginia Mediation Services, does restorative justice. And it's a wonderful opportunity. I know that there are programs like it around the country where particularly for juvenile offenders or for something that isn't a civil case or, or there might be some sort of higher circumstances, but it's recognized that maybe it started small. It's a different type of mediation where they're trying to help people who might not have any other avenues to have problems addressed, um, a different type of conversation that's kind of similar to the mediation process, but takes a look at the power dynamics even outside of uh, the specific people in the room. Wow. It's really cool. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I guess long term, that is probably going to be a cheaper option, too, yeah. than if it goes and we get lawyers and mm -hmm. things like that involved then, right? Absolutely. All right. So it seems like you're pretty much like mediation is a great tool. So let's shift into now for the HR professional. Yeah. Uh, so for most of them, many of them who are listening are probably an HR department of one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everything that comes across their desk is something they need to either handle or figure out a way to, you know, give it to somebody who can handle mm -hmm. it. So with HR, uh, why should mediation be one of those tools they should consider then? Well, particularly for the HR department of one, this is a way to pass something off your plate to someone else to say, hey, this is a problem. I realize it's a problem. And I don't have the bandwidth to deal with it, right? So working with an HR department of one is one of my favorite things because I know they're so overwhelmed typically um, and I can be the go-between um, or the problem solver at their disposal. Um, one of the most important things about having people feel like they really have the opportunity to get something off their chest is to feel like there are no preconceived notions about where they might be coming from. And when you work with someone in the same company, there typically are some preconceived notions, right? As an HR professional, you may absolutely come in setting aside any biases, thinking about well, you know, what's best for these specific people because you understand that that's probably what's best for the company too. But those individuals don't always see it that way. They think that you're there representing management or you're there to try to just get them back to work as quickly as possible without wanting to take the time to truly understand what they might be going through. Now, the type of mediation I particularly do does tend to focus on how do we help people be more productive because I focus on workplace mediations. But it's understanding that we need to take a step back and outside of the everyday job to do that, and it does take some time. A lot of mediators will tell you, oh, mediation's quicker. It's a really great, quick way to resolve conflict. Definitely quicker than legal processes. But I'll be honest, when I'm actually scheduling a mediation session, I tell people, clear your calendars for the whole day. We might not need all eight hours, but we're going to schedule for four or five and don't schedule anything before and after. It's gonna be stressful. You know, you'd really need to block that time. And so that doesn't always feel quicker to people. But from the HR person's perspective, it's also like, I'm letting the someone else deal with this. That's gonna be a day I don't have to deal with this, right? That's gonna be a time that, you know, I can do all the other things I gotta do. So in a case like that, HR would not even be in the room. Is that Typically, correct? Typically that is correct. Sometimes HR is in the room because the parties are requesting it. Um, I actually, 
I was about to say, or HR could be a party. I haven't actually had a situation where HR was a party to, um, to the mediation, but certainly it could happen. I imagine so. So if I'm going to use mediation, do I need to have a policy for it or can I just sort of take it off the shelf whenever mm-hmm. I need it? I recommend having some sort of policy just so that it's clear to your employees that this is something that may come up. I've actually had some um, potential mediation clients where the party to the conflict, the employee, not the HR person, is saying to me, why am I being singled out for mediation? Nobody else ever gets mediation. And whenever you hear that phrase singled out, you're worrying about does this person think they're being discriminated against in some way. So it's best to have some sort of policy on the books that simply lets people know it is an option and maybe every company is different. You will want to consult with a lawyer on this, but you might want to spell out exactly what types of um, uh, conflicts would go to mediation or what types wouldn't go to mediation perhaps. Um, But just let people know this is a path. And depending on how that policy is written, you might actually have people come to you and say, hey, I want mediation. And you've got to have a process in place for how to handle that as well. Okay. So let's say that one party is like, yeah, I think mediation is the case. And the other one's like, no, I don't want this because maybe they have this picture in mind of I'm going to wait for this to go south. Every night I sit here and watch the news. There's lawyer commercials. I want to take advantage and I'm not interested in mediation. I mean, Mm-hmm. How do you work it when one person is not down for it? Well, I try to listen to why they're not down for it, to understand what their approach may be, um, and just try to help them understand what the benefits are to mediation for them specifically. So in that case, I'm not going to be talking about time or money that the company might be saving. I'm going to be focusing on you know, what about the opportunity to be in the room with this person and have a conversation with a neutral third party present feels good to you? What opportunity might that uncover for you? Although I'll be honest, Mac, too, I have had some people who I know were also talking to lawyers and there's no reason they couldn't try mediation at the same time. They kind of decided, I guess I've got nothing to lose. Let's give mediation a try. And it actually made them decide I feel like this was resolved enough that I don't need to pursue talking to this lawyer on this issue. Oh, I think that's probably better for everybody involved then, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So is there ever a point, I mean, let's say there's an investigation going on and you're in the middle of it. Is there any, any rule against saying, Hey, let's take a pause and let's insert mediation in the middle of this. Oh, no, no. Do we have to consider from the very start? You can absolutely do that. In fact, particularly with accusations of discrimination or certain ethical complaints, you're going to want to have an investigation to look into whether there was truly wrongdoing. Um, that's not my role. There are some mediators who also offer that service. It doesn't have to be something I do. Certainly, if you're talking to private mediators to, to contract with, ask them about other services they offer. Um, I would say mediation is always an option no matter what's going on. I've heard from some of my friends in HR that they don't want to go to mediation while there's an investigation because what if the investigation shows someone actually did something wrong, then isn't a mediated agreement you know, going to be moot or, or not relevant? And I'm like, mm, that's not really the case. You shouldn't presume you know the outcome of the investigation. Um, investigations do take time. And mediators often can get into to talk to your parties pretty quickly. 
even if we're not completely resolving the underlying complaint, we're helping people be able to be more productive and focused when they are working because they know they've got this set aside time to deal with this conflict and to figure out how can I keep working with this person no matter what the outcomes of an investigation might be. That almost sounds like if you're doing like couples counseling or couples therapy, <laughs> is mediation like therapy too? I mean, not that I've ever been in it, well, but it seems like if you got to talk about your feelings, <laughs> that suggests therapy, I guess from somebody like me. Yeah. But is it therapy? I mean, can people think about it or does that turn people off? Oh, it def in my experience, I have seen that turn people off. Absolutely. Um, it's funny the way you've, you've opened this up though. I think... If being asked about your feelings feels like therapy to you, there's a good chance mediation will feel like therapy. But there are some very important differences, right? I'm not going into people's childhoods. I'm not making diagnoses. There's no medication discussions. We're not there to talk about self-care. We're there to talk about what's been interrupting your work in this relationship, whether it's supervisor, supervisee, or colleagues who haven't been able to be, feel like they're on the same page about things, co-owners of a business or um, higher level vice presidents maybe who, who just aren't seeing eye to eye and that has ripple effects down to the staff. I'm not there to help you become friends or make you fall back in love like in couples therapy. I'm there to be like, look, there's some, some problem here. Let's get to the heart of that problem. And yeah, we'll have to talk about some feelings along the way, most likely. And let's figure out what your path forward is going to be. And what that path looks like is really up to you as the people in the mediation, not me. That's part of what being neutral is, is I don't care what the outcome looks like. I just care that you feel like you've had the opportunity to decide what that outcome is. You know, that you feel empowered to make those decisions with the other person, right? So one person may want something and the other person says, hell no, absolutely not. Okay, that's probably not gonna wind up being part of the agreement at the end of the day, but let's talk about why and if there's something else that's workable and brainstorm any ideas that may come to mind. Have you ever experienced when you're doing one of these that you discover somebody has flat out lied about this entire thing and they've been caught <laughs> like in the mediation? Um, I mean, it would take some significant confidence in your ability to lie to actually put yourself under the microscope of mediation. But has it ever happened? I'm just, I have to say... Not, I, not, and I'm not asking for a friend either. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I don't think I've yet had someone go, no, you're lying because this right here, black and white, says otherwise. But I've been in situations definitely where I feel like one or both of these people is definitely lying to me, to each other, or maybe to themselves. And as a mediator, what you have to do is figure out how to work around that, right? Which can be difficult. That can definitely be difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, so let's say we have done, we had planned for an eight-hour mediation day. We reach agreement seven hours in. What does it look like? I mean, do we shake hands? Do we take a knife and cut our hands and hold hands and do one of those tree yes, things? Yes, they're definitely or blood oath. How, no. Is it? Okay, that's kind of what I was wondering because it seems like we got to lock this down. 
But is there like I, I'm joking, of course, is there a formal way to say, hey, we've all agreed and it's not like we produced the peace treaty and take a picture, shaking hands kind of thing? It's similar to the peace treaty idea. Um, and my goal as a mediator is to not just help the the two parties feel like they understand a new path forward, but to actually formalize that by writing it out for them. Um, and this is an interesting uh, area here too. Like I have lawyers who advise me never to write down an agreement, just tell the people that they need to do the writing. And I said, no, 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 they need a different person to do all of that formal, formal writing up. And so I do that, um, writing down only what they agree to, making sure that they're both very comfortable with it. I will share it with them in a Word document or read it out loud to them. Um, and I definitely have clients who it's not considered final until they then send it off to their own general counsel or lawyers to have it reviewed again. Um, and if that's the case, I'm just upfront with the parties about it um, and let them know that I continue to be a resource if the lawyers want to change something, that we can have another discussion. Um, but basically, we're most of the time in the mediation experience I've had for workplace issues, it, people are just figuring out new ways to communicate. And so you're, you're writing about, you know, using a specific phrase to indicate that you need some space from this person or that you're going to track tasks using a specific app or um, all kinds of different things. It's really up to whatever the people can imagine. Um, and so I'm writing things up. It's typically not something that would rise to the level of a compliance issue. Um, but I always ask those questions in advance too. you know, what's off the table, what can't be negotiated in this mediation so that I don't mislead anyone during the process to have them think that they have the power to change something they don't. So what would happen if two parties reach agreement and then a month later, one party of the two decides, well, the mediator's gone back to Chantilly, Virginia, and I'm going to start slipping off the path. I mean, what yeah. happens then? Well, that's part of the reason that we like to have it written out because then the other party or someone in HR can point to that agreement and say, look, you said you were gonna do X, Y, Z. Um, now the truth is at that point, and this is the reason behind my lawyer saying, you don't shouldn't be the one writing this up, Gina, is it looks like a contract, right? There is a legal path here where someone could go to a lawyer or a judge and say, look, this person agreed to do this in the contract and they're not doing it, so I'm suing them. That rarely happens, um, but internal to an organization, um, someone might forget to do something the way that they decided they were gonna do it. And then ideally, the two people would actually have a conversation about it and say, look, is this not working for us anymore? Should we make a change? And it's their agreement. So no matter who wrote it up, it's about their behaviors. They have the power to make a change to that agreement if they want to, but not unilaterally. They should be having that discussion together, preferably bringing the mediator back or with some third party, depending on sort of what level that, that issue is. The whole point of mediation is for people to only agree to what they feel comfortable agreeing to. So if someone is in a situation where a month, two months later, they're like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I would say that's an issue where the mediator maybe didn't do due diligence to make sure that people were really comfortable with this or that the parties themselves were in a situation where they may have been lying, whether to themselves or to the other person. And, uh, and really didn't want to agree to that. 
And if that's the case, it's kind of on them. You know, the whole point of mediation is for them to have the space and the time and the ability to figure out their own best path forward. So if you're agreeing to something that you're thinking, Meh, maybe I'm not going to do this in a month, don't agree to it. Yeah. Oh, and they get these oh, rules yeah, right yeah. up front. So right? every mediation starts off okay. with some sort of Good. orientation, basically. Me kind of, and I do this individually with people in advance of even getting into a session or even scheduling a session to basically say, look, this is what you should expect when we're doing the mediation. And by the way, I expect you to act in good faith too. So, you know, being able to speak without interruption, knowing that it's a confidential process, um, knowing that if there is a written agreement, that written agreement is something that you really have to stick with. I talk about all that and more right off the bat. So with this skill set that you have, do you ever find yourself like at the airport and there's somebody <laughs> bitching about the flight that got canceled and they're yelling at the gate agent? Do you ever feel the urge to just step in and mediate or do you just like put a, flip the oh, switch on Oh, that's a really good question. Uh... I don't... I mean, you'd have been busy this <laughs> yeah. past weekend if that oh, were the case, right? yeah, those poor <laughs> people with the airplanes. Um, I don't think... I don't... I, I'm going to say neither. I'm going to go with option C, right? Like, it's <laughs> not that it's a switch I flick, but it's more yeah. like if I'm truly feeling removed from a situation, I can observe how a mediator might intervene. If I feel like I'm a part of that situation, my own mediation skills might fly right out the window. Because, you know, when you're personally invested in something, you may get caught up in your emotions. So it's a question of, you know, can I really think about this in a way that acknowledges my feelings but doesn't have the feelings driving me without understanding what might be behind them? And every feeling has something behind it, right? I see a lot of angry people, and that just means there's some need that they have to express that hasn't been recognized yet. Yeah. Well, sleeping on an airport floor will. Sometimes it's obvious, now, it? and sometimes <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All right. So back to HR. Let's say that a conflict is happening, HR is involved, and they just happen to listen to this interview and say, you know what? I think we should try some mediation. How do you introduce that if we're already mm -hmm. kind of working through this? Is there a well, real good way to do that? Well, this actually goes back a little bit to the earlier question about a policy. This is why I think it's important to have a policy on the book so that when you as the HR professional say to the two people having the conflict, hey, you know, one option is to have you both talk to a mediator to try to figure out a better way to work together. That way there, it's not completely out of the blue. Or it might be out of the blue, but you can point to the fact that it's in that employee handbook for them. Um, I would say, you know, as the HR professional, definitely reach out to your mediator first, explain what's going on, confirm the person is, is comfortable that this is a mediatable issue. Usually it is. Um, and then you as the HR person are going to be the one to talk to those two people having the conflict to say, look, I know you've been in conflict. I know it's stressful. Mediation is an option. 
and you know it wouldn't be with me it'd be with the, our contract mediator this is who it is um you know would you be willing to just talk with them one-on-one -on -one? that's the way it really should start so that each individual person having the conflict can talk with the mediator one-on-one -on -one, kind of understand what to expect and i've run into situations where people have done mediation for personal issues whether for divorce or for something else and so they talk to me and they're like yeah, yeah i know what mediation is but really the kind of mediation i'm doing at work does look different from what they've been been through in the past and so we talk about that a little bit um, and it's an opportunity for them to start to feel like I want to say to you what's been going on and I can listen to that and help them to feel heard and validated this way when we get into the room together they still are actually able to move forward as opposed to needing to um, stay stuck in the past a little bit. Well, one more question for you, Gina, before I let you go. If someone is listening to this right now and says, wow, I really need a mediator. Well, they just had a 30 minute interview with one. Uh, so how can my audience reach out to you, Gina, if they are looking for some help trying to figure out one of these situations? Well, your audience should know, first of all, that I mediate in person and online. So I'm available no matter where you may be based. Um, but definitely feel free to reach out to local mediators if you're concerned about someone being physically and geographically local to you always ask about their training because no state to the best of my knowledge here in the united states has any requirements or licensing requirements for mediation so anybody can just say i'm a mediator and you should absolutely check and make sure that people have been trained and ask them how long they've been doing this and things like that I would love to work with people at ChantillyMediationAndFacilitation.com. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Gina D. Andrea Weatherup. And uh, in fact, I'll just give out my email address. It's Gina at ChantillyMediator.com. And I would love to take some, some inquiries and answer people's questions more. Perfect. If you're listening today, Gina is the real deal. I've talked to her a couple times now and having worked with mediators in the past, everything I've seen from her is spot on. So you will not go wrong. So again, reach out to her. Gina, thank you so much for spending the time with us this morning. Thank you, Mac. It was really a pleasure. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years. And I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs, more information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.